You're listening to Radio Diaries. This is Joe. And I'm excited to tell you about the newest show in the Radiotopia family. It's called The Recipe with Kenji and Deb. I'm sure a lot of you listen to podcasts while cooking. Well, The Recipe is the podcast that will teach you how to be a better cook with tips from two seasoned pros, pun intended. Hosted by Kenji Lopez-Alt of The Walk and Deb Perlman of Smitten Kitchen, The Recipe not only lets you learn new recipes, but also teaches you techniques and secret ingredients that'll up your cooking from just okay to restaurant quality. So welcome them to the Radiotopia family. Find The Recipe with Kenji and Deb right now, wherever you get your podcasts. Radio Diaries is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Radiotopia. From PRX. From PRX's Radiotopia, this is Radio Diaries. I'm Joe Richman. The psychotherapist Esther Perel recently said that disasters operate like relationship accelerators. They cause both a spike in divorce and a spike in marriages and babies. Most of us are hunkering down with people we already have some sort of relationship with, but a few people have chosen to hunker down with practical strangers. Gali Baeri is 37 and works as an executive assistant. Joshua Bolivar is 42 and does visual effects for movies. They both live in New York City, and they were both single back in March when the city was preparing to lock down. Then they decided to quarantine together after just one date. Check one, two. So that's recording? Okay. We are currently at my house in Astoria, Queens, New York City which is now kind of my apartment. And you had just looked at the date. I was looking at the calendar earlier. It was March 11th, 2020, that we had our first date, which is a pretty big week in the city. That was my last week going into the office. We had like all these little micro moments before that. Mm. I was smitten. (laughs) And you had such a full life and a busy life and it was like you were giving me these little snippets like come and meet me at Trader Joe's I'm doing grocery shopping and I can (laughs) hang out with you for a minute afterwards (laughs) you know I can come to your work when you're done with work and so we met on the steps next to Penn Station yeah we hung out there at the the steps of the post office for a while (laughs) so she's giving me these little doses yeah and I was just having my busy New York schedule and then we had that Wednesday date that turned into an overnight date here at your place. So that was our first date. And then didn't quite have plans of when we were going to see each other next. But then everything shifted because everything in the city was starting to get canceled. And both of us kind of thought it was the other one that suggested it. Yeah, like who suggested that we quarantine together? Yeah, and then all of a sudden it just started to happen. So we just kind of stumbled into it. Joshua's place seemed like a much better spot than mine. I have a roommate, and Joshua has a sweet one bedroom. So I 
packed a suitcase with what I thought would be way more than I needed. Let me bring two weeks worth of stuff just in case, fully anticipating that I would bike back home to my apartment every so often to have a couple of days to myself and gather more supplies if I needed them. <laughs> and I have not been to my place in seven weeks. Yeah, it wasn't a very well thought out decision. Yeah, my friends are just really surprised. All of a sudden, I'm living with you. <laughs> what? Who is this person? <laughs> like, I haven't lived with a partner in over four years. You know, after my separation from my ex-husband, like, really learning how to live on my own. And this came out of nowhere. We're both still working full time, you know, have our remote set up here in your apartment and then all the day-to-day -day living things. We had to figure out you're a vegetarian, I'm a meat eater. So it's like, how do we do food together? I like earlier mornings. You're more of a night person. So that's been a little push and pull that we've been trying to navigate. I've been to online Seder with your family. You've met my family multiple times over the video chat. And I remember having fears like, is it too soon for me to meet the family? And you start laughing, like, come on, what's too soon? We already live together. Yeah. The regular patterns don't really apply to us anymore. It's just been such a joyful experience. And I've felt guilty in certain moments about sharing it with friends and family who were suffering and not enjoying this experience at all. And I can tell sometimes in their voices and in their faces when they respond over the video chat, you know, I can just see that they want to be happy for me, but they're sad too, that they don't have something like this, that they don't have anyone to be with, or they're not particularly psyched about the people that they're with. And you read the news reports and all the people losing their jobs and dying and you know there's just so much suffering going on that this feels like sacrilegious almost or something yeah am i allowed to be this happy and excited while everyone else is hurting had thoughts of how long it could last, you know, because it was so good, you know, I and mean, at some point we're going to get bored and that or something, the honeymoon period will be over because they always say there's a honeymoon period and, and things were just and so relationships good. and they continue to be good and continue to be good. And it's like, all right, it's, when is this going to be over? You know, and it had to happen in such a dramatic fashion. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So talk about uh, that day. Yeah, so we've been quarantining here together for a little over three weeks and then realized my birthday would be happening in quarantine. And I make a pretty big deal of my birthday. So, oh yeah, we went shopping. And I was like, let me just go to the store. Better safer if just one of us goes. And you pulled your birthday card and been like, no, I want to just go and look and there's going to be things. And then we're in the store and <laughs> wait, should I get this ice cream or these other ice creams? And I was like, I don't care. Just get all of them. Just get three of them. We need to get out of here. Let's get back home where it's safe. Yeah. 
And that was based on timing would have been your exposure night. Yeah, that was probably the night I got exposed. You know, we'd been so damn careful. All of our gloves and masks and cleaning all the groceries and cleaning every delivery package. Yeah, being really careful and not going out besides a walk around the block or grocery trip. That was it. Yeah. And on that Saturday, April 11th, I started feeling really cold. I was shivering and could hardly get warm. And you started giving me layers and your warmest hoodie. And I was still chattering. And then we thought, okay, let's check the temperature. You knew you had a fever. Yeah. You were scared to take your temperature. Yeah. You didn't want to see what it was going to be. Yeah, I could feel it. And yeah. then checked a couple hours later and it was jumping up. The next day, it was getting 102, 103. It hit 104. That's when first called a nurse hotline through my insurance and she said if the fever gets to 104 you have to go to the ER. Got real pretty fast. <laughs> yeah that's when I really felt the fear hit. I was like oh I do not want to go to a hospital right now yeah. and just praying that I wouldn't get the shortness of breath. You were finally able to track down some Tylenol in the city and thankfully we were able to keep my fever down and not have to go to the hospital but at that point I couldn't do anything. I had no energy. And I was so grateful to have you doing everything, making every meal, bringing me the thermometer when it was time, bringing my medicine, my water. Set up a little cat toy bell to could ring it. <laughs> yeah, whenever I needed help, I had this bell that I could ring and Joshua would come. And at the end of the day, I would collapse out on the floor in the living room and just go sleep right away and had alarms set for three hours later, you know, to wake up and check vitals. And trying to not get sick myself. Yeah, yeah my family was definitely worried and they were calling me every day. And I had never had a fever that high before in my life or had a fever last for as many days as it did. And so when I saw it getting that high, people are asking me, are you still lucid? Are you hallucinating? Like those levels of questions got me scared of like, oh, when am I gonna be losing my faculties? Yeah, we started to generate, um, you know, Worst case scenario kind of lists. Like, do I have just, a DNR? You, you didn't like that question so much, did you? No, I didn't want to think about me getting to a point where I couldn't speak my needs and that you would have to take over that. Like, I tr totally trusted you two. Trusting a practical stranger with your health and well-being. <laughs> <sighs> And it was so intense to like, is this the end of it? Could this be the end of your life, my life? Never mind the relationship. You know, it kind of got real really fast. And it was like, you know, am I ready to just like say goodbye to you after just saying hello? So it was about five days in to having that fever 
I remember it was getting lower and I finally felt like I had some, a little more energy. So that night was my first shower. I washed my hair. It felt amazing. Yeah, you were pretty stinky. Yeah. And so I got out of the shower, it was late. And you had made the bed, you put fresh sheets on the bed. <laughs> yeah. And I remember getting into bed and just feeling like, oh my gosh, this is so glorious. If I die now, I am so happy. I am clean on clean sheets. This huge grin on my face, fell asleep. And that night my fever broke. <sighs> which ended up being round one. And then Monday night, my fever had come back. Round two. Had a fever for another three, four days. It wasn't as bad this time. It didn't get as high. And my energy still is not back up to where it was before. I guess more than three weeks since when I first started getting sick, so I've been without fever for like maybe 10 days now. Yesterday was the first time I went outside in over three weeks and had the energy to walk. So I started feeling better and I remember you saying, you can't go back to what it was like before. Because you felt me kind of pushing to try to get us back to whatever our playing house was like before I got sick. You were pretty upset when I said that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can't go back to that, you know, I and mean, it's like... Like, I get it, and it was so hard for me to hear because before was amazing. Well, how do you feel at this point? I mean, for me, it's like a lot of it's returned, yeah. you know, and it has a different flavor now. You know, it's almost like a maturity to it because we face this. Yeah, like it's been, what, seven weeks of living together? That's it? Yeah. That's crazy. But it feels like a lifetime. It feels like years. But we've never gone out to dinner together. Yeah. Just so absurd. Okay, maybe we should have a talk. We should sit down and have a talk about this. You know, like, what are we doing? <laughs> and I found myself, like, in moments afraid of what would happen at the end of quarantine. Not wanting it to end. You know, and, yeah, I guess I've been curious about if you have any thoughts around it. This cocoon of time has felt like such a gift. It also feels like living in a fairy tale. Mm -hmm. I'm still paying rent on my apartment. I still have a lot of things there that at some point are going to matter to me, I guess. <laughs> I have a, an inner timekeeper who is very loud. So I want to move on quickly to the next thing. I have that New York City pace. Part of the pandemic has been, oh, they're like, we have no idea what's happening in the future. We never actually knew, but now we really don't know. And so you've kind of asked me, like, how do I want to integrate you into my life? And I haven't known how to answer that question yet. 
but I don't know what life looks like post-quarantine and what life might look like with you. But yeah, if this goes on indefinitely or there's no like clear end to quarantine, then we're just, then we have to decide what we're doing. Like, yeah, I just assume one, one day you're going to be like, okay, I'm going home. And I'll be like, okay, bye. <laughs> and I mean, I don't know. I mean, that could be the end of it. And that maybe outside of the constructs of this, this bubble that we've been in, it wouldn't work. You know, it's not something I want. But I think that's possible. Oh, <laughs> Oh, yeah, it definitely feels like a big deal when I think about popping this bubble we've created. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have fear around walking out that door. Gali Ba'eri and Joshua Bolivar. They interviewed each other in Astoria, Queens. Last time we checked, it's been 58 days, and Gali still hasn't been home yet. There's a tall golden ladder that stretches high up into heaven. You could climb up if you wanna, but you can't come home. Or you could stay with me for a little while. That home is wherever you are. Let me ride the lonely miles with you. This story is part of our new series, Hunker Down Diaries. In the coming weeks, we'll be bringing you stories about hunkering down in a car, foster care limbo, and what it's like to be in lockdown when you're locked up. They'll be airing on NPR and here on the podcast. If you have an idea for this series, we would love to hear from you. You can send your stories to hunkerdown at radiodiaries.org or find us on Facebook or Twitter. Radio Diaries is produced by Sarah Kate Kramer, Nellie Gillis, and me. Our editors are Ben Shapiro and Deborah George, and we had help this week from Jessica Deal. Radio Diaries is part of Radiotopia, a listener-supported network from PRX. You can hear all those shows at radiotopia.fm. I'm Joe Richman. We'll be back soon with another Hunger Down Diary. Oh, you could stay with me for a long, long while You know the moon lights up the trees for us So darling, kiss me quick before I catch them